Welcome everyone to the Grind to Grace podcast, another episode. We're very excited to continue discussing all the ins and outs of web design and development and marketing so that you can create and manage and grow your online business, whether it's a side hustle or a full-time gig, doesn't matter. I'm your host, Jen Anderson, and together we fight the demons of overwhelm on your way to success. Today we are going to talk about the five pet peeves that will melt your face. All right, maybe that's a little dramatic, but (laughs) believe me, graphic designers and web designers and designers all around the world will pretty much make fun of you behind your back and maybe in front of your back with some well-placed memes if we catch you doing these five things at least. I'm sure there are more, but these are the big ones. And, you know, that's kind of funny, I guess, or not funny, depending on what side of the road you're on. But the thing is, is these things are intrinsically bad. Can you be successful if you do them? Sure, of course. There are exceptions to the rule, and you go on with your bad grammar self all day long. But on your journey to build trust with your audience, these five things specifically will be kind of a turnoff to a lot of your audience, pretty much regardless of the demographic. Um, So they're just good general rules to live by and uh, good ways to start to build trust. So let's go over them. The first one is my favorite. And by favorite, I mean the worst. And that's misspellings. in side note, I misspelled misspellings in my notes when I wrote it. Just letting you know. Uh, anyway, let's talk just a little bit about the the big ones, okay? There and there, your and your, and oh god, this one I can't even say this because it drives me insane. But lose and loose. All right, I. Look, I have some compassion and I feel you for the contractions, right? There and there and your and your. I I can overlook it. I can get by and take deep breaths and go about my day. I do think a little bit less of you when you consistently misuse the contraction. But, uh, you know, I get over it. I remind myself that not everybody was a grammar Nazi in school and... Not everybody had it drilled into them. I get it. I am somewhat the exception. But lose and loose. Come on. I see it all the time. It's too complete. Okay. They're all completely different words. But this isn't even close. Like, it's loose and lose. Like, I just can't. As I'm sitting here, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about how, yeah, I can see how you can get that, I guess, but uh, it's just, it drives me batty. <laughs> so there's an easy solution for this. For anything that you're writing, you know, in a word processor or something like that, use a grammar spell checker. In today's age, we have software that will check it for you. You don't even have to know it. When you're talking, you know, when you're replying to posts or creating social media, Uh, images and things like that, you're going to need to know the differences. Double check it if you're not sure. Have a little, you know, bookmark to 
one of the Wikipedia pages that explains the difference. Just make yourself look a little smarter than Yar. And <laughs> and I don't know how to spell Yar either. So, I mean, we all have our, you know, crosses to bear. But just have some kind of shortcut that you can use to remind yourself of what those are. Um, because, again, it's all about building trust. And you want people to know that you have... Not not just that you know the difference between your and your. Look, we all, I mean, we make mistakes all the time. It's not about being smart and not being smart. I'm joking about that, okay? It's just about taking the time to make sure it's right. And that's what people want to know. They want to know that you are actually paying attention to what you're putting out there. That you're actually pay attention, paying attention to what you will produce for them. So that they feel like they're getting a quality product, Right? People trust things that take time, that take nurturing, that take care, that take, you know, um, attention to detail, things like that. So really encourage you, all joking aside, use a grammar spell checker and shortcuts to remind yourself of the proper use of lose, L-O-S-E, and loose, L-O-O-S-E. Maybe it's because I think of loose as in it's loosey goosey, so it's got more letters and it's it looks loose. I don't know. Anyway, goose and loose is a good reminder. <laughs> I'm impressed with myself just off the spur of the moment. Okay, the second one is bad spacing. Um oh my gosh, I you know, I love when I see somebody's awesome messaging and design. And then my heart sinks a little bit when like the letters aren't spaced right. This this drives whether even if you're not a graphic designer, it will drive people crazy and they won't even know it. So, I want you to pick a typography or a font. Uh, that's it's actually called a typography. I don't know if anybody knows that, but it's actually called typography um but we kind of interchange font and in typography and font actually has to do with the sizing and space. Anyway, it, that's kind of a nitpicky thing. But anyway, if you hear me, I'll use them interchangeably just because of the vernacular there. So, wow, I really sound like a snob in this episode. I don't care. So pick a font or typography that has equal kerning. And kerning is just the spacing between each letter. Um, sometimes they'll have uh, fonts that have um, like the A will touch the letter next to it, but then the other letters won't touch. Do you get what I'm saying? You want those to be actually equal. And sometimes really cheap or free fonts or free typography will just not put the care into making sure that those are equidistant. And it's unpleasant to the eye when they are not equidistant. So just pay kind of attention to that. Um, and start to get a little picky about which fonts you're using. Um, make sure your margins are equal and that you're using enough white space um, as sort of padding around whatever container your text is in, okay? Don't put things right to the edge or close to the edge. If you're being really artsy, there's something to be said for, you know, touching those boundaries and things like that. And that sounded really creepy, guys. I apologize. If you haven't guessed, side note here, if you haven't guessed by now, I will accidentally say inappropriate things 
And then the 12-year-old humor in me will point it out because he, 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 giggle, snicker, right? So anyway, just ignore my inappropriate sayings unless you catch them and then you have a great, that's what she said to add to it. Just add it in comments somewhere, you know, get a, get a hold of me and let me know because I want to enjoy it too. Uh, back to the topic at hand. So white space is a design element just like your content and images. You want to make good use of white space. What it does is it helps organize your thoughts or your points so that it's easily consumable by whoever's reading it or looking at it. Okay, so don't stuff too much into a certain space. You want to make sure that readers are able to sort of snack on your content, meaning they can grasp what, essentially what they're going to get right off the bat. They don't have to work too hard. Um, and spacing helps us not work too hard to consume the content. And finally, there are actual rules that help you design so that what you're producing is pleasing to the eye and won't annoy your users. And you can look those up <laughs> online. And, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be completely, you know, from art school or anything like that. But they just kind of help you provide content that is easy to consume. Number three is clashing colors. Green and red are only good together at Christmas time. I don't even know why they're okay at Christmas time. They just are. They are not okay anytime or any place else. This is a fact. Also, too much of a good thing is too much. And I'm reminded of Shelby's uh, wedding in Steel Magnolias. And she had several shades of pink, blush and bashful. I don't know why I remember those, but I do, blush and bashful. <laughs> and everything was pink. I've seen some beautiful websites that only use one um, vari or variations of one color, and they're gorgeous. However, when you're talking about marketing, we need something that contrasts in order to tell us this is important. It because it needs to be a, a quick, you know, flash of the eye type of thing. Our attention spans are nothing. We're we're zooming browsing the web at 100 miles per hour, we need that button, for instance, to not be the same variation of Blush or Bashville, even though it's gorgeous. It needs to be a contrast color that says, hey, click me, do this. Um, that's the quickest, best way to get someone's attention and, you know, draw the eye. So, so let's, you know, work on that. Anyway. <laughs> Um, also, I don't care if your favorite color is neon green. You're awesome. But does it speak to your audience? Does it convey the brand's message? Right? You, you need to be thinking about what your audience will respond to. And what is this saying about your brand? I worked with a brand um, who, who used all brown and gold. And it was for an older gentleman who was long since gone. And, you know, I wasn't able to make any of the changes to the branding that was outside of my scope. But 
I always had such a problem with it and feedback we got later on, you know, after everything was all said and done, um, was that the colors just, ugh, they were black. And, and I said in a meeting once, I said, yeah, they're the color of a coffin. And that suddenly it just resonated with everybody that, yeah, we're, we're sort of selling this old dead guy and that's what we think of it. And it just didn't, it didn't have the, it didn't portray the feeling of what actually was in this amazing product with a lot of wisdom, right? So brown is rarely the right choice. I, I feel really confident in saying that. You can think coffee house or, you know, restaurant or laid back, something that makes them feel, um, you know, forestry, maybe a funeral home if you're brave, whatever, but you know, something that makes you feel sort of calm possibly, um, but definitely not a lot of action. Definitely not a lot of not of a uh, lot of um, positivity. You can think some comfort, but it's rarely, rarely the right choice. Just wash those browns. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna have a lot of people fighting me over this. I can feel it. My branding is brown, and I'm successful. That's fine. Cool. I hope you do fight. I hope I get a lot of negative press. Like I've got thousands of viewers that are. <laughs> yeah, maybe keep positive. Anyway, okay. Let's talk more about. The number four pet peeve, too many fonts. Ugh. I get it. There's so many free ones. Like I am a junkie. Okay. I download bundles of thousands <laughs> of topography and fonts. I can't get enough. I just can't. I love them. I love the handwritten ones. I love the bold ones. I love the hipster ones, whatever. I mean... 10 years ago, it was the sort of robotic transformer kinds of ones. I mean, they're just fun, but you got to pick two, three at the most that you consistently use and use them across the board. Everything you do, it's about keeping consistency. You want the whole goal of this is for people to recognize you and think, oh, this particular product or this particular service equals this person equals whatever feeling you want them to identify you with, right? So think of Nike. Nike does not change its main fonts all the time, okay? They're very bold, very action-oriented, very straightforward fonts, and they're the same. You recognize the Nike logo anytime you see it. How does that make you feel? It makes you feel like action, okay? That's uh, intentional, and you wanna be just as intentional. And when you confuse it with all kinds of different, you're just getting creative and you're just having fun, go paint a watercolor to be creative and keep your business consistent. Keep your branding and your story consistent. And, you know, choosing fonts, we'll have, I'm sure we'll have several episodes when we talk about choosing fonts, but um, yeah, what what do you want, Who who's your awesome audience and who do you want how do you want them to feel when they think about you? That's all kind of part of that. But don't use too many. Don't get creative. Just don't. Like Michael Scott, you're not creative. They're creative. Anyway, that might be an obscure reference for some of you. But if you're on my audience, you're probably an Office fan. So anyway. And number five, which is probably my biggest pet peeve, and definitely is... Uh, one for your audience I hear all the time is big talkers. Ugh, the worst. 
They'll talk all day long about their plans or what they can do to help you and what they can do about this, and, and they never make a real move. They just don't take any action steps whatsoever to move their dream or their passion or their vision forward. And they definitely don't make plans to follow through on what they've talked to you about. Now listen, I've worked with people who I've made promises to to help and they never sort of initiated their vision and explained what they needed help with. And it is two-way street. I mean, I can't go in and start creating your business for you without some input from you. And that's different. If you if you haven't talked to, if you haven't managed, if you haven't project managed the person trying to help you, that's different. It's a two-way street. But when someone is just talking, 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 and they never have these sort of action steps or backup, you know, behind it, no matter how much you try to pull out of them, uh, what you're doing is saying, I can't trust you. I don't believe that you will follow through on what you said you would do when we discussed it. So you be in charge. Don't wait for others. If you have a great idea and you're just like, oh, I just want to do this. Do it. Stop waiting for the committee to get together in your head or around your neighborhood or whatever. You do it. Be be someone who puts action behind their words. Be teachable. A lot of times big talkers know everything there is to know about whatever subject they're talking about. But again, they're, they're not doing anything of value that's bringing any ROI, that's bringing any investment in. And um, so I encourage you to just be teachable. We don't know everything and that's a good start. Um, yeah, don't sell me goods you can't deliver. Don't tell me you can do something. And uh, I don't see it the, the proof in the pudding. So those are my five pet peeves. Again, there's probably a gazillion more. And if you've got some, by all means, drop them. Drop me a line and tell me all about them. I love complaining about pet peeves on the internet. What else is the internet for, really? I don't know. So... This episode is wrapping up a little shorter than the previous one. I will get this timing thing down. I'm sure of it. And if I don't, let me know what you think. Let me know longer, shorter, how's the vibe, how's the flow, too fast, too annoying, too freeform. Let me know. Very open to your input at this stage with our third episode. What? So thank you all for coming. This has been Grind to Grace podcast with your host, Jen Anderson. I don't know why I'm pumped today. I'm just getting stuff done, so I'm pumped. But listen, you are the online warriors getting stuff done. Be sure to subscribe and follow me on social media to get more awesome tools for designing high-performance sites, landing pages, and campaigns. I'll see you out there. Mm -hmm.